0: Hi, I'm Stephen Crafty, and this is Talking Design 2018. I'm with architect and also uh, interior designer, Fiona Dunnan, director of FMD Architects, and I've been looking at Fiona's work for many years now, and welcome to the program.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Fiona, it's interesting. You studied interior design at RMIT. Yes. And wouldn't that have satisfied you just to continue being continuing being an interior designer?
1: Uh, I think it's interesting because uh, one of the first architects I worked for was Darrell Jackson. Um, and I worked for him as an interior designer and spent two years after my degree working there. And I think seeing what architects can do, uh, I really wanted to expand my horizons further and was really inspired by what Darryl did. Um, and What he,
0: period are we looking at? Uh, I mean?
1: Early 90s. Okay. Um, And so he encouraged me to go back and do architecture. So um, I went back to Melbourne Uni and uh, did architecture there and still worked for Darrell part-time and sort of carried over and transitioned uh, when I graduated from interior designer to architect and crossed the boundaries between the two there um, before moving to work for John Wardle. Um, And at John Wardle's, I uh, really sort of ran the interiors on all scales of projects uh, and but really loved working on the houses there because of the amount of detail that we could Mm. get into with those
0: and his clients wanted that detail as well
1: absolutely yeah and John was very passionate about you know every drawer and every door handle and really loved getting into the interiors as much as I did so it was a really nice I suppose relationship that we had Fiona, what's
0: the benefit and I can see a lot in being both architect and interior designer? Because, you know, the comment I get from a number of architects is that, you know, when the house is ready and the interior designer has made his or her mark, it's something they're not exactly thrilled with. Mm. And in a sense, you can provide the whole package.
1: Yes. Um,
0: so, what does that do and
1: i do and I do do interiors for other architects still, which I love doing um, I think it's I think the benefit is that you can uh, really complete the building and carry the architectural idea through to the finer detail and even to the furniture selections so that the idea is in every aspect of the house um, and the other thing I like doing is is carrying that through again into the landscape and So that there's this marriage from the fine interior detail to the overall architectural and into the landscape. So it's seamless.
0: I mean, if you look at your own home, Mm. the landscape's very important. You work with uh, Exley Garden Architecture. Yes. Tell me a little bit about that because it is quite... It's a Californian bungalow. Basically, you reworked the back section, but the garden is something you experience.
1: Yes. And, And I think what's interesting about that house is the architecture was inspired by the original interior detailing so we actually took fine interior details and extruded that into the three-dimensional form so taking the decorative into an architectural element.
0: So the built-in joinery became?
1: The, became the, the form of the new extension and then so it's, it's a very strange process but then the, uh, the landscape was was pivotal to the end of this extrusion where there's this big picture window that you look out onto the garden and you can sit in this picture window and and feel like you're within the garden. So there is a very strong connection between all elements there again.
0: Um, Fiona, because you get your hand into many pies, your Mm. fingers into many pies, when it came to the garden, how involved with were you? Or did you kind of stand back and say, look, this is their area, or did you kind of...
1: You know, it's it... funny. I did the typical client mistake of thinking they can do their own garden and tried and failed. And Miles from Eckersley came in and basically dismissed everything I'd done and did what he proposed. And I've left it very much to him. So I was very trusting of what he'd proposed and really didn't change anything.
0: Why were the mistakes to begin with? You just... I just didn't re- have a, the understanding of plans. No, or?
1: exactly. So I really didn't have enough um, botanical understanding, um, and and really not very little experience in, in gardening myself. So we got the experts in this time to do it for us instead.
0: Have you found that um, there's a problem at the moment that the experts aren't called in when you see houses that you're potentially going to be renovating or extending? that people have tried to do too much themselves?
1: Is uh, that becoming less? That's a tricky question. I think with the, on the on the um, subject of landscape, often we find when we're doing houses, people will neglect that issue. And having learnt from my own mistakes, getting a professional landscaper on board really completes the house. Um, but I do... Well, the houses that we're generally dealing with are usually... Um, pretty old and the clients haven't done anything themselves and do bring in architects because they know better so (laughs)
0: um how do you get the brief going what's you know when you're seeing a client for the first time or visiting their house Mm. do you do you kind of start with a flood of ideas coming through or do you kind of just absorb go away take it in and then get back to them.
1: Yes, that's generally what we do. So we'll have a long conversation about what they want and what they think it will be like. But then what we then do is, is well, the first thing is measure up the house and I spend a few hours in the house and see how they live. Um, and then we'll take that away. And I, I never come up with a solution immediately. It just doesn't happen. So what I think I'm going to come up with usually once I start drawing is dismissed and we come up with something different and we usually give them a couple of options, two or three options, and generally it's completely different to what they thought the house should be. And I think that's the benefit of using an architect is you're given the unexpected what you couldn't think of. That's what's yeah. really important.
0: Because, I mean, if they want a shopping list, they can just go to a drafting exactly. service or work directly with the builder. Yes.
1: So, I mean, if someone says to us, well, we want this and we want this material and, we want this look, and there's, what's the point of using me? <laughs> do
0: you say at that point, yes. no point? Yes,
1: I do. If they've got a really set idea and a set plan or set image of what they want, then, then there's no point in getting me because the, the point of getting me is to get something that you really haven't thought of.
0: Fiona, the other thing I've noticed, you're very good at working with small spaces. You've done a number of uh, little terraces, yes. single-fronted terraces that are pretty modest. Mm. Um and there might only be six meters wide or even less less yep. and you 've done a number now, so you 've kind of becoming a bit of a, a whiz in small spaces. Mm. What do things you look at in those type of terraces because they 're I would call them stubborn houses
1: yes, and I think um, the the greatest i always say the greatest luxury is space, and these small houses don 't necessarily have that luxury, so what we if we don 't have the width or the length in a house. Like the cross-stitch house, which is probably one of our most well-known houses. is probably one of the smallest houses. But it's it feels luxurious in its sense of space because of the height that we've created in the space and the amount of natural light that we bring in. So bringing in light and a sense of volume um, really creates a beautiful, luxurious sense of space.
0: And also probably people would notice with your smaller projects in particular, you extend the sight lines right out to the garden fence?
1: Yes, so yeah and that connection with the landscape so bringing you know a connection between the interior and the exterior uh, is very important to sort of extend that sense of space absolutely. And
0: mirrors, you're a big fan of mirrors. I
1: love mirrors I use them everywhere, my house is full of them as well.
0: (laughs) And we're not talking just You know, facial mirrors.
1: No, they're they're in all aspects. So you'll find them on ceilings. You'll find them in the kitchens. Um, We use them to create um, all sorts of optical illusions, so that you feel like you're looking. The space is twice as long as it is, or that the island bench is floating, so the floor feels like it's running through. There's nothing. It's
0: mirrored on the on the base. On the
1: on the base of it, so it really feels like that the space is continuing and elements. What I say dematerialize as well. Um, So often people think mirrors are glitzy, but what they actually do is make things disappear. So you can really sort of increase that sense of space again.
0: Where do you think we're heading with houses? I mean, every so often there's an article in a magazine, you know, this is happening and that's happening. What do you think's happening in the way you're seeing your houses progress and your renovations progress? Where are things changing?
1: I think... um people, you know, are accepting living smaller um, and uh, we're getting a lot of clients coming back and doing, you know, they were sort of young with no kids when we first dealt with them. Now they're coming back with kids and dogs and cats 10 years later, but wanting to stay in the house. And these are very small terrace houses, but um, accommodating the new family members in that house. So really renovating what they've already got rather than moving out to the suburban sprawl, which I think is great. So... um, you know, inner city is getting denser, more populated, and I think that's creating more vibrancy. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is the the, the concept of multi-generational living. So um, older generations not wanting to um, move out of their home or the, the younger ones wanting their parents to come and live with them, you know, like a more European mm-hmm. attitude rather than living in, um, you know, care homes, which obviously with the new... Um, investigations into that it's going to be interesting so I think there's a lot of potential for um, basically developing homes that can accommodate um, the elderly um, in a way where their lifestyle is not compromised and they're still part of the community
0: And, and I suppose also that the parents and the grandchildren don't feel like they've got grandparents Breathing down their neck. That's They've got right. their own space. Absolutely. As well. So
1: I think I'm um, having a com- conversations with a lot of different clients about that. So mm-hmm. we've spent a lot of time in the first ten years talking about how kids develop into teenagers and into young adults and accommodating them. But now we're also talking about either my clients getting older and wanting to stay where they are, or um, yeah, bringing um bringing my younger clients wanting to bring their parents into the home as well.
0: Um, Fiona, it must be nice working with the same client over a series of houses. You've got a couple or a number who I know of already. Yes. Who, you know, they've had two houses with you, two terraces, and now you're working on a house in Bruny Island for them in yes.
1: Tasmania. Yes. So, I mean, they're fantastic clients. And once you build that relationship... Um, I mean, that particular client I said is—they've become addicted to architecture. So <laughs> they just <laughs> don't want you. to stop, which is great. Um, and we have a few like that that keep coming back for more work, either on their house or for
0: kids, or
1: yeah, or new beach houses. You know, we've done their, their house here, and then we do their beach house, and so we've got many clients that actually come back. And, I, and now at this point, it's over ten years. We're st- we're seeing a lot of those clients returning for more. For more projects,
0: I mean the beach house is interesting because it's um, it is becoming uh, almost like a permanent home for yes. many people now. And they're scaling down in the city. Yes, they want something really they can just lock up, make sure they've got a base in say Melbourne or Sydney wherever they are. Yep. But then really they can spend four or five days at the beach.
1: Yes, and that's that's we're doing a lot of those sorts of houses and like the the house in Bruni Island, which is a working farm. Um, but they want to spend a lot more time down there. Now they're semi-retired, um, but still have a small house in, in inner-city Melbourne that mm-hmm. is low... But, but And the key is low-maintenance, everything being low-maintenance or no-maintenance, yeah. um, which, is, which is really important.
0: The other thing, Fiona, is... Um, you know, and I've, I've kind of... Um, it's been in my mind... People have become very safe, I think, uh, generally, particularly with interiors. Mm. Um, it's almost like... I mean, it probably doesn't apply to your clients, but it might that people are just wanting resale rather than something that really is for them, mm. that's specific for them.
1: Yeah, we do. We do get that. That comment about potential resale, and the other big one is overcapitalisation. Mm. Um, must
0: drive you nuts. Well,
1: it's a word. I, the first thing I go when they mention that word is, how long do you want to live in the house? Mm. So if they You're want to sell
0: it tomorrow, obviously it's then so
1: then it's an issue. But generally, they're coming to us because they want to live in this house for ten, twenty years plus. Then that that notion of overcapitalisation and resale should not even come into the conversation because we're designing it for them um and a good house, I always say a good house is of its moment um and it shouldn't and timeless this this idea of a timeless house is irrelevant. not that weird?
0: The whole thing of timelessness leads to the most boring outcome. Mm. So it says nothing for 2018. Yes, it that's right. bland.
1: Yes. <laughs> <But> <laughs> and it's interesting, we did another house recently, another little terrace where we did the kitchen 10 years ago, and it's this crazy faceted, well, mirrored K-2, K-2, house. K2 house. And there's the K house, which was the first version, and the yeah. K2 is the second stage of it. But the K2 house had this very... Um, pretty adventurous kitchen all folded mirror that was
0: done 10 years ago that was
1: done 10 years ago and we've done stage two now which was another floor and a stair which is sitting adjacent to that and everyone thinks the kitchen was done as part of the second stage Mm -hmm. So that just demonstrates that quality design is enduring, but still of its time.
0: And you can be more innovative.
1: Absolutely. It's much more interesting than if we did what was safe back then, which was a white kitchen with black bench tops.
0: Well, it hasn't changed. (laughs) (laughs) It's, you know, it's so lovely. Look, I think for uh, someone in my position, to walk into a space that has a different feel, Mm. I think you can actually tell also when a space is really captures the owners yes. rather than you know just being as you said for the market or yes. to be right for the market.
1: Yes and we, we have a lot of conversations in the beginning where we're sort of sketching through those options and clients will respond and react to certain things that we're doing and then they'll, they'll say something that will really trigger in me um, what their particularities are and will really grab that, that comment and Celebrate that in the design to create a unique response to them.
0: And what's so nice for is they probably don't realise that comment even came out no. until the plans presented in front of them. Yes, and then they think, "Oh, that was really perceptive." Yes, but it is, I suppose, in your position being a good listener. Yes, and absolutely picking up those very subtle.
1: Yes, and I think that's the you know sign of a, a really sort of successful quality architect is someone who does listen hmm. to the client rather than just imposing themselves on them, I, mm. I think, personally. It's got to be a balance. They, they do come to you for what you do, but I think you still need to listen and respond to them. And whether that's residential or commercial or, you know, any any form of architecture, you, you, you have to listen and respond to your mm. client.
0: I mean, you, you've developed quite a, um, a difficult path because residential architecture is probably the most challenging. Yes. Uh, You know, when it's commercial, people kind of stand back a bit and just say, look, I just need it finished by... There are other pressures. Yes. But I just need it finished by in three months. You know, we sign the lease. It has to be done. With it's a residence, people get very toey, I imagine.
1: Very emotional. And Mm. we're spending their personal savings, really. Mm. So, I mean, I'm very aware of that and uh, we really... And I know what it was like renovating my own house. <laughs> so it's hard is to... your purchase.
0: partner still talking to you?
1: Yes, he built it. Oh. <laughs> so um, we... But I did keep it simple. So... Mm. Uh, but it is really important to think about that. You're spending someone's life savings. And so you need to be careful how you do it and try as much as you can to maintain that budget um, and be conscious of that all the way through. So... Mm. Yeah, it is. It's a tough field, but it's something I consciously. I always wanted to do from the first year I went out of interior design. I wanted to do houses, and then worked in commercial for a long time, and then decided to move and work for John Wardle because I wanted to work on his houses. Yeah. Um, and then he got very big, and then so then I started again my own practice again, really focusing on the houses, which I love.
0: Yeah. Well, look, thanks so much for coming onto the program today. Fiona. thank you um you are uh, you know i mean you do beautiful work and really uh i have i kind of almost know all your projects because i'm always
1: you do i'm always ringing up all. saying
0: what's new what's new <laughs> what have you done what you've done and um but look thanks for coming on this has been talking design 2018 recorded at rmit university in melbourne